Hi, this is Marta. Welcome to the podcast Invisible to Visible, where our goal is simply to make women more visible. We will meet once a month and discuss everything and anything that impacts a woman's day-to-day life. So let's talk, explore and ask many, many questions. In the world that strives to be more equal, why does it sometimes feel that when it comes to different laws and legislation, family life and the big corporate world, women are still often invisible? Well, grab a cup of coffee or tea, depends on your preference, and let's start. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about, generally speaking, career transition, or perhaps a small changes that we can implement in our professional life that will make us more visible, fulfilled, and generally speaking, happy. So today with me is Claire Carroll. Claire is a qualified executive and career coach. She works one-to-one with mid-career professionals to identify and enhance clients' strengths and values so that they can tackle workplace and life transitions more easily. That can be changing jobs, becoming a manager, leaving a corporate to set up your own business, figuring out what to do after redundancy or returning to work after illness, moving countries or maternity leave. She also runs career workshops for groups. Claire has a psychology background alongside a decade as a sales leader in Google and 10 years in global and local ad agencies, both in Ireland and New Zealand, where she lived for some years. Claire has left good jobs five times with no job yet to go to. She has worked happily in senior management positions in small and large companies. She has navigated a redundancy and she set up her own business. Claire also has two young kids, three bikes, and is happiest in the sunshine, in nature, and with good friends. Hi, Claire. Hi, Marta. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, how are you today? Yeah, good, good. Thanks. Delighted to be here. Great way to kick off the week. Yeah. So, do you know what the first thing that caught my eye? And I've emailed you about it is where you said Claire has left good jobs five times with no job yet to go to. And I when I read this, I emailed you immediately. You're my twin sister from different parents and different country, because this is I might have not done that myself, like as a five times. Uh, I think I've done it twice, but I definitely never been afraid of change and I've never been afraid to listen to my good feeling. And I know very early whether something is for me or something is not for me or sits, sits well with my, you know, that good feeling that we always get. And um, so this is something that I really resonate with. So my first question I actually have, what do you mean by good job and why did you leave them? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think I only realized this statistic about myself a couple of years ago when I was leaving, I think for the fourth time, um, and good job. Yeah. Good is a word that can be defined in many ways. Mm. Sometimes we are confident in defining it for ourselves and knowing what good means for us. And sometimes we're led by other people's opinion of what good is. Like if you think of your typical mommy and daddy you know a good job is permanent pensionable well-paid respectable understandable so you're an accountant Mm -hmm. or a teacher or a 
you know, some, you know, a shop person, uh, something that we can understand. Whereas today in the modern work world, a lot of us are information workers and nobody really understands what other people do for their jobs. Um, but for me, a good job has always been something that aligns with my values. What are my guiding principles? Yeah. What are what are the things that are important to me and allowing those to happen in work? And it's aligned with my strengths. So I'm able to use the things that I'm good at in work. And that kind of overall, when I when I look back on my career and I think of those jobs where I felt really, you know, people talk about being in flow, being really happy, feeling like I'm contributing, feeling very fulfilled, feeling like I've mainly done office-based work. So feeling like when I shut down the laptop, at the end of the day on a Friday, at the end of the week, that I'm feeling mm. satisfied and good about it and I'm looking forward to Monday morning. Now, I've certainly been in roles where I have been dreading Monday morning and that's rubbish. It's a really, really rubbish place to be. Mm. And sometimes feel yeah. like I felt very trapped and not knowing where to go to and not being sure about what I'm actually good at. Because uh, my background, as you mentioned, I did a psychology degree and then I ended up kind of... Um, um, working in advertising sales and then getting into ad agencies. So I felt my skills have always been those kind of transferable skills rather mm-hmm. than you're trained to be a teacher, you're trained to be an accountant, you're trained to be a, a professional of some kind. Um, mine yeah. has been more kind of general business. Yeah. And something very interesting you said there just a second ago is that we often working in a job's considered good like as if we picked something in our early teens or in our sorry late teens and late early 20s and we kind of picked that career and then we kind of follow through like teacher accountant and very early at that stage very rarely at that stage anyone would know actually what they want to do mm-hmm. or what their strengths are or what their values are or how do they see their life uh, how do they want their life to look like in the future? And I feel right now in my mid-30s, 40s, when I talk to my friends, a lot of that question comes up as a, am I actually happy? Is, it, is that it? Is that me for the next 20, 30 years? And all those questions are popping up now. And I discuss this a lot with my friends where we like, okay, so how we can change this and how we can make this more relatable to us, uh, relatable to our strengths, what we can tweak easily to make us more kind of fulfilled and happy in the workplace. And that's exactly what I want this podcast to be about. Um, So tell me, how did you end up coaching, like the journey to coaching? And have you always wanted to do it or was that kind of accidental? Yeah, sure. So it links back to the psychology. So I ended up studying psychology in university. And the reason I did that was because during transition year when I was 16, I did work experience with my uncle, who's a psychologist. Um, And I I was much quieter and more introverted when I was younger. And I always just was, I suppose, more observing, more a little bit on the outside of more observing. And I was always really curious about people's behavior and the interaction Mm. in groups and why people made the decisions that they did, how some people were very confident and others weren't. And just that whole human nature always really fascinated me. So I did psychology. It was a very academic course that I did. And at the end of it, I just thought, oh my God, I never want to see a paper, a book, a library. Mm. (laughs) I do an exam ever again. Like, get me out of here. Show me the money. I want to earn money and have a nice life. 
Um, so I kind of ended up falling into advertising because when you do your career guidance part in psychology, there's all the different types, educational, clinical, counseling, occupational, and so on. And then there's the other bucket, which is like PR marketing, communications, mm-hmm. advertising. So I ended up going down that route. But I always thought maybe I'd come back to psychology at some point. Um, then I got into through work like managing people. And I guess that involves understanding the link with psychology there is how people are motivated, how people mm-hmm. are encouraged, recognizing strengths, you know, recognizing individual personality traits um, and, you know, helping to lift people, you know, as you lift yeah. and rise through the organization. How do you help, you know, mentor? Or co- um, well, at the time, I just hadn't a clue what coaching was. It wasn't much of a concept in the workplace. Yeah. At the time. But psychology, psychology is one of those professions that it's always useful because it's about humans interaction. And yeah. there isn't a job in this world where you don't interact with people. So it's, yeah. it's very helpful in every single profession, profession, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I went back this year to do a diploma, just an evening course in occupational mm-hmm. psychology, which takes the bits um, from all the different schools to apply to the workplace. And I love that. I find it so interesting. And it, it's a topic, I think, that's best studied when you're older and you have some life experience yes. under your belt. So I'd love at some point to go back and do a master's or something. But I don't know. That's probably in 10 years time. Um, but it was when I joined. So I joined Google then in New Zealand. I had... Mm-hmm. I've gone traveling, got a visa for New Zealand when I was 30, coming on 31, and um, joined an ad agency, joined Google. And there at Google, mm-hmm. the concept of coaching as a manager, as a skill in your management, people management set, um, was where I came across the concept. So coaching and mentoring are two sides of the same coin. Mentoring mm-hmm. is where you are directive. You're giving advice. You're using your own experience in work, in life, in, you know, what you've gone through to help and advise others who are kind of coming up behind you and who are at a different stage. And be they younger or older, right? It's more about career stage or life stage rather than age. And coaching is non-directive. So you are asking questions and listening deeply to the person and helping them navigate their way through a challenge or a decision or phase or a stage of life or career that they're in so the basic concept is that we all have the answers within us yes we have some blockers or some behavior patterns or thinking patterns that can be holding us back or limiting us but with the help and guidance and skill of a great coach who can be supportive and be empathetic and be a safe space for you to talk aloud about what you want to talk about. But one that prods and pokes and challenges and spots patterns and says things like, you know, Claire, you say that you're not courageous or confident, but actually you've just done another podcast or you've just stood up on stage and talked mm-hmm. to people or you've just gone and applied for this job and gotten it. So you see yourself as not being confident or not being courageous, but you are doing courageous and confident things so let's dig into that self-belief versus actions a little bit more in the last episode with marjan uh, i spoke with marjan mahuchin and one of the things she said we were talking about our strengths so the topic of the last episode was our strengths and what she i've asked her how do we 
figure out what our strengths are um, and how, so we can actually utilize on them. And one of the things she said is, well, first of all, we need to self-reflect on ourselves and kind of see what comes naturally to us, what we do that naturally that we don't even think twice about and what we feel comfortable with. But the second thing, very interesting thing she said, um, that's something that I've never thought of before, was that we need to be in the right environment to thrive. Mm. Um, and then I kind of was self-reflecting on that thought. And I thought, it's so true. Anytime I've been in an environment that I felt 100% myself, that I felt accepted 100%, um, I was really, really successful. Um, so I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And when when I hear you say there about being in an environment where you feel mm. yourself and you feel accepted, the phrase we would probably use for that is psychological safety. So again, mm. through management training, we talked about this a lot, how you build and create effective teams. They need to have psychological safety with the manager and with each other, which means that you feel safe to express your opinion, to say no, to disagree to have a creative idea, a crazy idea to say, yes, manager, that's really interesting. How about we try this <laughs> and not feel mm-hmm. that there's a repercussion that you're not going to be put up for promotion or that they're going to think that you're stupid or that you're the one who's disagreeing with them again. Um, and that's, it's really important to have because otherwise new ideas and developing and doing things in a different way don't really happen because people are afraid to put their head above the parapet and, you know, suggest something different. The environment that we work in is really interesting. So I've gone from like a really small side, there were maybe 12 or 14 of us in my first company that I worked in for seven years in a larger company of maybe 40 overall. It was brilliant for being in your 20s, felt very safe, very contained. Hiring there was amazing. I don't know how my boss at the time did it. He just hired so, so well. Many of us are still friends today. Um, And it was just felt like a nice size cocoon and it yeah it was it was just a really supportive environment to learn and to grow and develop mm. in your early career when I moved to New Zealand it was my first experience of working in a more corporate global kind of structure and I definitely felt a bit lost because I was 30 or 31 at that stage so I nearly 10 years of work under my belt and there was just a lot of processes and systems and things to dial into and the regional this and the global that and Everyone else felt more sophisticated than I, I was used to think, doing things more scrappily. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely felt a little bit lost. It was the first time that I didn't fit into a company. I didn't fit into the culture and I was desperately unhappy. And this was supposed to be the great New Zealand dream. Um, and work <laughs> wasn't working out for me. And it took me ages to figure out what was wrong because I'd never experienced it before, even though I was older and meant to be mature and all the rest. But again, like I'd moved on my own. You're building friendships. You're trying to figure it out at work. I'd taken six months off work to backpack and travel and chill out on the way. So I was feeling rusty. So there's loads of different factors. But I finally realized that environment just, it, I just didn't fit the culture. And there's no right or wrong. Mm. There are people in that company who've worked there for decades. They're very happy. They're very successful in, in work and they love it. It suits them. It just mm. didn't suit me. Um, so I ended up handing in my notice. That was one time where I left a good job, lovely job title. Yeah great money uh company with a really good reputation um and yeah yeah I just I felt I didn't feel free it just didn't work yeah and I often think it's it's kind of this thing of when something is 
not working out, doesn't sit well with us. We think it's us. We're not fitting in. But I think it's important to recognize that not every single environment is for us. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It's just, we're just not a good fit. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the company. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that team or it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me. We're just not a good fit. And it's not something to be taken personally. And I think often what we would do is we would kind of try to prove to ourselves, no, no, we can fit in or we can prove to everyone else, like, I can't give up now. How will this look like on my CV? What will everyone else think about me if I just give up now? Well, and actually the best thing we can do is to find the environment that we feel the best in and we can thrive in. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to go one further. Sometimes we can fit, but we don't belong. And I think that's what happened. Okay. So... I had the qualifications, I had the work experience, I had worked with those type of clients before, I had managed people, Uh, I came with amazing references, Mm. everything looked great on paper, looked like I fit, but I just, I just couldn't click, I just had different values, I think, to, I don't know, I just didn't didn't belong, and I Mm -hmm. only realized this a couple of months ago when I saw on LinkedIn, someone had posted, I can't even remember who, it was uh an orange if you think of the or a a mandarin if you think of the segments of a mandarin Mm -hmm. okay and one of them was taken out and it was replaced by a clove of garlic which fits perfectly but doesn't belong and i literally saw that image and it was like a light bulb moment i was like jesus that's what happened in that job i was the clove of garlic garlic. um and for me i know from this year from doing a lot of work on my own values that belonging is one of my top values i love to belong i love to be part of a team to be part of a community to be integrated like with great groups of friends and all the different connections in my neighborhood um and that wasn't happening there and it was particularly difficult because i'm going on about this job a bit too much but it was particularly difficult Mm -hmm. because i moved on my own to a different country and all the other you know you're building up all those Mm -hmm. other and you don't have your usual folks to fall back on and even my good friends and family who obviously were still there were 12 hours time difference away and that's a real pain when you're in the morning first thing in the morning and it's late at night for them you're even on different wavelengths and anyone who's lived far far away from home can appreciate when it's your evening and their morning trying to get into those deep and meaningful conversations when you do manage to get a time that suits for a phone call can be even a bit more difficult so there's there's kind of fit yeah. and there's belonging and I've realized that that there there's a subtle but kind of meaningful difference there yeah definitely. I think the other thing as well is what, what I had imagined it's so like I wanted to travel I wanted to be jumping on a plane and going and meeting clients and experiencing that part of the world a little bit more so in the next job that I got in New Zealand that was part of that package um yeah something that I was really looking for so I love that and I just I connected better with my colleagues yeah and what are the first steps do you think sorry what are the first signals um that we get um that perhaps we are not in the right place what should be the red light here yeah good question there's a couple of things there's for me I always used to when I was managing people I used to always say mm-hmm. when we did career conversations when you walk out the door on a Friday at the end of the week, what are the things that have energized you? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. That was a bloody great week. Smashed it. Can't wait to come back in and do that all over again next week. What's happened? Like, it could be a good meeting. It could be 
influencing a client or a colleague to do something. It could be completing a project. It could be finally getting that spreadsheet to work. It could be <laughs> like the opportunity to plan something from scratch, or it could be the opportunity to take someone else's plan and execute it. You know, we, we all have different types of skills, different stages of things that we um, are strong in and, and like to do. So what are the things that really have energized you? And secondly, what are the things that have drained your energy? So if you're like, oh, God, this is in the calendar now, can't cope with going into this meeting or, oh, I have to prepare for this thing. I'm dreading it or, oh, this person, I'm going to have to interact with them now 10 times in the next week to get this project over the line. So what and who is draining your energy? I see a wry smile on your face there, Marta. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes we can't. Oh, wait, well, I'm smiling because we all have been in those situations. We all have been in the situations when we're walking out of the workplace on Friday. Now, virtually or non-virtually, depends on what positions we're in. But, you know, have this great achievement feeling versus like, thank God this weekend, I have to do this again next week. Like we all have been through those jobs, do you know what I mean? So definitely something that we all can resonate with. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that kind of ends, so I think energizing, like what energizes you, what drains your energy. Mm. Um, another thing you mentioned, reflection there. One thing, a great exercise that I like to do with clients is think of a time when you were really happy in work, where you felt in flow, where you felt mm. like you were contributing, where you felt like you were succeeding, that you're making progress, that you're getting places, that there was a purpose to the whole thing. Like mm-hmm. what, out of a scale of one to 10, what mark would you give that? Say that it's an eight. So think about mm-hmm. then, what were you doing? What skills were you using? Who were you working with? What was the work environment? Were you in the office? Were you on a whiteboard? Were you in a spreadsheet? Were you in another location? Um, and what were the circumstances that were contributing to you feeling like an eight or a nine out of 10 in that situation? And then think of a situation where you weren't feeling good at work, that you'd give a two or a three mm-hmm. out of 10 on the scale. And same thing, what were you doing? What strengths or skills were you using or not using? What was the thing that was frustrating or blocking you? Who were the people that were involved? And taking, you mentioned goals and writing them down there. Taking pen to paper um, can really help us, you know, and getting away to a different environment out of your spare bedroom if you're still working from home in your home office. Um, and you're writing these things down and carving out the time to reflect can really help. Mm. You've got your two out of 10 situation and your nine out of 10 situation. So then think, right, for the next week or the next month, how can I bring more elements of the nine out of 10 situation into work? And how can I minimize or reduce the elements in the two out of 10? Because often we can't get rid of all the bad stuff or the stuff we don't like. But that's No, it's not possible, never. But we just kind yeah. of have how to do you minimize. Yeah. And sometimes it's your mindset because sometimes we're worrying about the thing or anticipating the thing. Um, mm. meeting with the person that we don't get on with or don't like or who's full of conflict and we spend five hours worrying about it and being anxious about it or having a bad night's sleep and then you do the meeting and like oh actually it wasn't that bad but I've had five hours or five days yeah. of worry and anxiety leading up to it absolutely happened yeah. to a friend of mine may I just say <laughs> friend <laughs> yeah friend <laughs> Yeah, never to me, never to me, just to my friends. That's right. it. Yeah. Um, so, um, just want to reflect now on what you're doing now in your coaching career and how often, and I suppose that's a question, does it actually happen that um, 
woman or man, because I believe you a coach for both, yeah. that they would come to you and say, okay, I've worked X number of years now in this job. Um, I've been very successful. I have a very stable, good income. Something doesn't sit well with me. How do I change it? I don't know what's wrong. So I don't know how to change that. Does that happen a lot? Yep. It can happen often. Okay. It certainly happens often. Mm. Some people are more clear on what the reason is that mm -hmm. they're no longer kind of satisfied or feeling fulfilled in work. And some have like a niggle of dissatisfaction through to can't possibly show up again on Monday morning. Help, help, help. I'm almost, I'm in crisis. <laughs> um, but I don't know why. Um, okay. Yeah. And can I just add, because predominantly, you know, all that podcast is aimed at women, not to say that there's actually a lot of men reaching out to me and saying that they've been listening and they're enjoying it. So it's so great to hear. But is it more women or men? Or is there really no difference? It's 50 50. Um, I haven't spotted a difference. I'd say at the moment, I mm -hmm. have more male clients than female clients. Okay. I feel over the summer there was more female than male. And coming to me saying that they're dissatisfied with their career, I don't see a gender difference, actually. Not, okay. not a noticeable one. Well, that's good to hear, though, I think. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, we often think we're so different, but I don't think so in what we want from life. We're not that different, men and women. I think we, we want exactly the same from our professional life as we do from our family life. It's just the societal structures are putting us in the different boxes. But I think underneath that, we kind of want the same from work, I would have thought. Um, and what are the biggest challenges that that you hear about? Because I have my own I have my own theory about those challenges, but I want I want I want you to start Go with on, that one. Your theory first. <laughs> no. So I just thought about myself here and for example, that podcast or some sort of uh, form of me having a platform to have those conversations. And for a very long time, I've thought about something. I don't know whether it would be podcast or something else, but I had this idea or, or some sort of kind of need to do, and I just didn't know how to go about it. And I would have always blamed it on, okay, technology. Anyone who knows me knows that that's not my strong point. How am I going to figure it out? How am I going to record it? How am I going to edit it? How am I going to publish this? I have, I have no experience in the advertisement or marketing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I still don't. But um, I suppose... I've always came up with a lot of excuses. Um, while in the hindsight now, I know that there were only excuses, that the barrier was within me and my old self-belief and self-doubt and kind of just putting myself out of my comfort zone. You know, that was the big thing. Technology one, I figured out. How to edit it, I figured it out. So I kind of think all those barriers that we're putting in our head is okay there are there, there is a lot of figuring out a lot of learning in it i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying it's easy peasy and you know like one day it's done it took me you know several hours to figure this out and i'm still learning with every single podcast i'm learning something new but in a hindsight it's it's the, the actual real blocker was my comfort zone that mm -hmm. was the actual blocker nothing else really everything else is Figure, you need to help me with that word. Figure, or what's the word I'm looking for? Figure it, it out. It can be figured easily. There you go. That can be figured out easily. I've changed it slightly. Uh, so, yeah, I just think 
a lot of times we're coming up with excuses, you know, which kind of the problems that we see, like for me, was the big technology thing. I was like, it's actually not that hard to do this. <laughs> so if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. So anyway, that's my tier. And also kind of, I'm, I know I'm simplifying it because a lot of times, you know, there is uh, obviously financial side to it. It's not that easy, you know, I, I think Brian Penny said it on the last podcast that, um, you know, the most addictive thing after heroin is your monthly paycheck. And, yeah. you know, totally. Absolutely. It's, you know, something that's not easy to give up or you need to take a bit of a hit at first. And so we are in a different financial situation. There could be single parents, you know, trying to do something or change something. So it's not that easy. I know I'm simplifying a little bit, but a lot of it is the actual barriers within ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a number of common fears that prevent people Mm -hmm. making a change or making a change when they start to feel those niggles of dissatisfaction and they kind of wait until maybe they're in crisis mode and then it can be more difficult to make sound decisions because there's a lot of emotions or exhaustion at at play. Um, First, you kind of mentioned that there's the fear of the unknown. If I'm not doing this, if I'm not a psychologist, scientist, accountant, Mm. what am I? Um, we can't picture the blank canvas, can't imagine that the thing that we've done for the previous 15 years, that's very familiar and therefore secure, secure for us, can't imagine something completely different. Um, and when we imagine change, we usually imagine that everything is going to be completely different. When in fact, a lot of things can stay the same. And one of the principles mm-hmm. of change management for organizations going through a lot of restructures or change is figure out what are the things that are staying the same and continue to communicate uh, and call those out. Um, Second is there can be a lack of clarity for the person around what are my strengths? Like you said, your previous, uh, Marjana, was it on the, on the previous podcast? Marjana, yeah. Um, What are my strengths? What am I good at? And particularly if people, as I was saying earlier, aren't qualified in a particular field or a particular um, subject matter expert you can have the transferable skills of collaboration, networking, influencing, you know, strategic thinking, um, people management, all those. And they can feel a little bit woolly to some people. Or sometimes when we're so when we're really strong and really good at things, sometimes we don't realize that that is a skill and a strength because it's so second nature. Mm-hmm. To assume that everyone is good at us. So we can mm-hmm. all be much better at telling someone what our gaps are or our flaws or our weaknesses or things where we're not so good at often if I ask mm. well you know I don't but if I did what are the things that you feel you're not so good at at work they can list off 10 things straight away if I ask yeah. their strengths often they can come up with three or four but they start slowing down and running mm. out of to say oh this is totally exactly what we talked about in my in the last episode is that our strength is our second nature and because we do it without even thinking about it and we assumed everyone is good at it because this is something that comes very easily to us we actually don't realize that they're our strengths and mm. uh, we were messing we were joking with Marjan that you know talking is for me and I always would assume talking is such an easy thing to do because that's that's what I do like literally 90% of my life but yeah when you think about it not everyone feels so comfortable to like raise the hand and be like well what I think is this and this is like this kind of idea of like saying what I think has been always very 
easy to me. Like I remember as a kid, I would be the one to know, well, dear teacher, may I just give everyone my opinion here? Yeah. Uh, but I was one of those kids that just just did it and it didn't mind it at all. But yeah, definitely something that, uh, what I'm trying to say here, what am I trying to say here? Well, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's the strengths. Are, we don't often realize what our strengths are because they come such a, so easily to us. Yeah, yeah. And actually to, to go off on a tangent for a moment, if I mm. can, that introvert people in work, some of them found the, say, COVID working from home for office-based workers really good because there's less distraction mm-hmm. and less interaction and they can get on and get work. However, introverted people can find the constant Zoom meeting or dialing into Teams or whatever the platform is really difficult to contribute and have their voice be heard and have felt that their progress and work um, was slowed down because often introverted people like to have a heads up of what the agenda is in the meeting, what the topics for discussion are, so that they can think through and have a well-formed, articulate, succinct observation mm-hmm. <laughs> or answer to the questions that are being asked. And they find it more difficult in the moment in a group meeting online to interject and give their opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Extroverted people often are well able to jump in and think while they're talking. Um, and so it's good that in a lot of corporate environments, there's more of a recognition of different personality types and work and what they can contribute and how they work, preferred ways of working. And if you have a team that you're managing them remotely, that simply giving a heads up a day in advance on the agenda of the meeting and, you know, what brainstorm or thing that you're going to do. Um, and also it's more efficient, right? People are giving better opinions rather than just mm-hmm. listening to the sound of their own voice. So, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, again, I guess that's back to the psychology, right? This interest that I have and how different people operate and how, how they motivate and their different ways of working. Yeah. So important to find out the environment that we then thrive in. Do you know what I mean? And kind of find a way to work that works for ourselves. Yeah. Um, so what are if so let's assume now if we get that good feeling that something is not right, or like we kind of get this feeling of I wanna change something, I don't know what, I don't know how. What are the steps that a person can take? Yeah. Uh, to kind of figure this out. Yeah. We've already mentioned one, which is the reflection piece. And I think Mm -hmm. now, right, it's nearly December 2023. How did that happen? But it is nearly December 2023 on Friday, right? I know, Claire. I have a five-year-old. I don't know how that happened. You know, my kid is in school. Crazy, crazy. I know. Um, But a car about, even if it's 20 minutes, go to a different room in your house, a different room in your office, to a coffee shop. Bring a pen and paper. Mm. Write down. It could be the last year, the last three years, the year five years. Pick your timeline. Write down the things that you are proud of, the things that you've achieved, be it in work or be it mm. in life. Pick one, pick both. And just jot them down, bullet points. Or draw, like draw, literally draw a line, timeline. What are the things, mm-hmm. the things that you're proud of, the things that have been significant that, you know, stand out in your mind. Have a balance between things that you've enjoyed and things that you haven't enjoyed. You know, that's a realistic view. There are things that have been great, things that have been not so great. And the things that have been great, stop, pause for a moment, acknowledge them, celebrate them. Like, look how far you've come. I mean, even for me, I set up my business in January of this year. If you told me in November last year that I would have worked at X number of clients, 
have so many hundred of hours of coaching under my wing. I'm going into LinkedIn later on this week, so on and so forth. I, I just, I really mm. want it. And it's been really um, nice and reassuring and motivating for me to sit down and look at what's gone well. At the same time, when I look at the pieces for me, when I did this exercise this uh, last week, what I didn't enjoy, I see already that I've kind of figured out some solutions for some of the things that haven't gone so well and that I haven't enjoyed. I'm mm. working on my own. I'm so used to working in a team, working with colleagues. Um, but I figured out a way to plug some of those gaps. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that was one thing that I knew would kind of hold me back or limit me or I wouldn't enjoy. But I figured out, I've already figured out some of the solutions. So that's great. Well, well done me. <laughs> so I think reflecting, just reflecting, mm. acknowledging and celebrating the things that have gone well and how far you've come. Um, and then having a look at the things that you haven't enjoyed and going, yeah, that was a bit rubbish, but there's a balance there. There are other things there that have gone well. I think then if you imagine yourself in five years time or in 10 years time doing the same exercise, what are the things that you'd like to be saying? Would you like mm. to work in a different role in this company? I work for a different company. I now do a three day week where I've now gone back up to a five day week or I now. Mm-hmm go to the London office once a quarter or um you know I've become a manager of managers um or whatever the thing is or I'm doing more collaborating with such a team or my relationship with such a team or such a person or such a manager has improved whatever the thing is no when you imagine yourself in five years time what are the things that you want to be happening because if you're not clear and writing those down in pen and paper it's much more difficult to do the action mm. and to create the mindset and the thinking patterns that will lead you there. Um, I'd say a third thing that I'd recommend that people do, two part, it's stepping back and taking a view, right? It's your values. So our values are our guiding principles that are really core and fundamental parts of our character. Um, mm. They make decisions. They help define the type of person that we are. So there can be things like, honesty, integrity, um, you might value security and stability, which can mean that it can be difficult to make change. You might like challenge, excitement, creativity, joy. You know, you can have a list of 100, a list of 200 values. Mm -hmm. Doing some work on what your values are and prioritizing them and forcing yourself to rank them so that you come up with a top five, numbered one to five, can really help you figure out, ah, okay, so when I'm in work, this value is being compromised. So I don't know, take honesty. Someone in work is asking you to fudge the numbers a little bit. So you're trying to see whether you hit targets. They're like, just, just take that client out because they'll be leaving next year anyway. And what do the numbers look like with that set of clients? Oh, they look much healthier than the other. Some people are fine with that because it's going to reflect what mm. they're doing next year. Some people are absolutely not fine with that. Um, or say curiosity. You might be in the same role for five or six years. So you know it, you're the go-to person. There's no development, there's no growth, there's no learning. So your need for curious, your curious mind isn't being satisfied and you can start getting bored and getting a bit demotivated. Now, you may also be afraid to move because you're the go-to person, you know everything and you mm. enjoy status and you enjoy being the authority and the expert in that area. And you fear that if you move somewhere else, you won't know as much, you might look stupid, you might ask a stupid question. You're afraid to get on that learning journey and to have the blanks to, to fill in. Um, and then like you were saying earlier that you talked about with Maria Jeanne, so I won't um, get into it in detail here, is your strengths. So to figure mm. out, and there are a number of 
online free online assessment tools to figure out your strengths. If anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'll be happy to send them a link to some of them. And they can be, you know, they're generally the answer these questions quickly, choose between A or B and mm-hmm. it's a profile. It's not the Bible. It's not black and white truth, but it's a really generally there can be a very good steer as to where your strengths lie. And it can be lovely and reassuring to think, oh, yeah, that's something that I've heard in feedback in um, appraisals before. Or that's something that my colleagues have told me or my friends have told me or my family have told me. So, yeah, that must be true. If I see it written there, I might. And sometimes it can spit up something where you're like, oh, is that actually a strength? Never even thought of that as being a skill or being a strength. Um, yeah. And then there are practices yeah. you do to put all that thinking and reflecting into action. Yeah. Can, can I add the fourth to yeah. that one? You, you listed three. I think it, it's very useful to talk to other people as well about it. So yeah. find yourself a coach, find yourself a mentor, find yourself a friend. Because what I'm finding is once I say things out loud, well, first of all, they're out loud. Uh, so I have to kind of... Um, follow through or maybe I do at that point realize that they actually don't sound so silly because as long as they live in my head they just leave somewhere there in my head and I never really action on them but once I say things out loud it feels like okay well I said them um and first of all it doesn't sound as silly as I thought it would have sound and then number two is that other person actually think in my work or am I give me encouraging words towards it um and also kind of, you know, I feel like when you say things aloud or write them down, it kind of adds clarity to it. And um, I do love discussing these things with my friends or um, have a wonderful mentor. I've never actually called him mentor in front of him, but I do have a wonderful mentor. It's a, it's, it's a person that I used to work with. Yeah. And we recently met at lunch. And, you know, we're just talking, just talking to things and listening to their advice. And they know, they worked with you. For example, my case, he worked with me. He knows where my strengths are. He knows where I perform the best. So his opinion actually really, really matters to me. Um, so, yeah, I would add this quite as a quite an important step as well um you're dead right do. you're absolutely dead right and funny you say that so when I was setting up this business I was humming and hawing is the right thing and should mm-hmm. I fails and all the usual self-doubt and fear things and I remember so a lot a lot of my friends are psychologists they have masters and PhDs coming out their ears they're sure. very established they've worked in the different areas you need to introduce me to your network Claire <laughs> <laughs> and um I'm like it's like you know the ones who are in clinical settings or counselling settings, yeah. very serious issues that they're dealing with in the HSE, mm. individuals gone through real trauma and all that stuff. It's serious stuff. And they're very qualified and very experienced and very brilliant at what they do. And I wondered, God, with like with my corporate background, which is so different and coming from such a different value based system to them, are they going to think what I'm doing is Mickey Mouse or there's no need for it or it's fluff or something? Mm. And I knew it wasn't true, but I was thinking it. And I remember when I met up with them and said to them, they're like, oh my God, you'd be perfect at that. That's brilliant. There's such a need. And mm. I can clients that I've had that are finished with their therapy. And But a coach would be a really good bridge actually to the next bit. You know, they're out of the trauma and la la la. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, they really, they're really back at it. And I really value my friends' opinions. And that was so reassuring, as you say, to kind of get the thumbs yeah. up. God, I feel like an idiot. I'm a grown professional woman. I need, I need my friends' thumbs up. But it was... um. 
you know we all do i think it's just our nature is yeah. our we all do need somebody kind of encouraging us cheering us up yeah definitely yeah. It was exactly that getting it out of my head and into the public domain and once you've said it you've got that positive peer pressure whether it's coming from you yeah. or to actually go ahead um and do it yeah. and then she once had my first couple of clients under my belt and uh, then i was fine um yeah there are I yeah. Think other uh oh, sorry Mar- um marty you said something else that really struck a chord with me yeah i said so many wonderful things there <laughs> I would have like, oh yes because you were saying about starting up the podcast for yourself yeah and saying it out loud and i it kind of struck me there like i'm kind of thinking sure why wouldn't you like you're articulate you've got opinions you ask great questions you're very sociable and you're very easy to talk to and very open mm. like, why wouldn't you be a podcast host from someone who doesn't know you well that'd be my thing but I fully understand that you know in your own mind and anyone's own mind they're like how can I go and do this when there are yeah hundreds of thousands of people in the world doing it and you know all the life and family stuff going on in the background and work and everything else as well yeah uh and they can so often we think we're the only ones who are trying to make these and there are other people doing it it, is, it was the biggest coming out of my comfort zone. And all I can say to this, if anyone is thinking to do something as mad as I'm doing, do it. It's freaking damn amazing in here. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so if your good feeling um, tells you something, go with it. That's my thing. Let's, let's, let's finish at that. <laughs> I like your approach as well, though, because you weren't waiting until everything was perfect and then doing it. Eighty mm. percent there. You almost had the technology. You'd maybe one or two guests lined up. You had a vague idea of the concept and the topic. You weren't waiting for perfection, and that's the thing that can hold us back as well. We're waiting for things to be perfect. I'll do it when X X. Mm-hmm. You know, some yeah. Give it a lap. I I actually got a putting somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn and um like that didn't know the person before and he was just wanted to have a quick call just to get my idea on how to set up a podcast because that's something he has been thinking of and that was my first thing don't wait until it's perfect because it's never going to be perfect you never you were re-listening that first episode and you cringe I still cringe when I listen to it I still can't listen like to my voice or when I'm editing it is the only time I listen to it when I'm editing things out. So, um, it's never going to be perfect. So just be about 80% there and, and jump in like head down, jump in and see you're not going to drown and it's going to be fine. I agree. I agree. Perfect. Um, similar vein on career change, mm-hmm. so a bit of how people can go ahead and try and do it. I would say if you're looking at a big change, and finances are a concern, I'd say one, do a household budget or redo your household budget. Mm. And really understand and know where your money is coming in and where your money is going out. And sometimes there's alternative revenue streams, like you could rent a room to a Spanish student or you could teach something or you could go and get your tax back if you haven't done that for a year or two. Um, you know, and you might have a, an extra couple of quid yeah. there anchor think about what can you cut down on um next year so that you've got a bit of a security financial security blanket that you're building up for yourself i would say secondly think about a small change or medium-sized change you could do in your current job so is it working on a project with a team that you might be interested in going and joining is it doing some networking which i know some people hate but it's literally sitting down with someone and having a conversation and asking them four questions what's the favorite part of your job what's your least favorite part of your job 
if you were interviewing for a colleague doing the same job, what are the things that you'd look for? And is there anyone else that you could recommend to me to introduce me to that I can go and talk mm. to want to find out more about this department? Um, it's just having a conversation. And people are happy to help and happy to talk and happy to give their opinion in the main. Um, you could do some voluntary work. Uh, go and find out an organization or an area that you're interested in. Or you can do some online research, find people on LinkedIn to connect with and follow, see their opinions and things that they're sharing. There could be conferences or webinars. There's free webinars all over the place these days and dial in, mm. you know, gathering information. But there definitely comes a point where gathering more information isn't going to add anything. It's just satisfying that scared urge to move on. So stop gathering mm-hmm. information and do something different. The project, yeah. uh, uh, you know, meeting with the person in the department, that telling your manager that these, this is the area that you want to develop in or yeah. for the jobs. Yeah. Okay, so so we're not to summarize. We're not looking for perfection. We just want to start, and um, I, I suppose you know gather as much as you can. But at some point, you just have to go for it. So we leave everyone with that thought. And thank you so much, Claire, for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. And uh, thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thanks, Marta. Same to you. for listening hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and see you next month